My name is James Gleason, and I want to welcome you to the weekend teaching ministry of Sunrise Church here in Hillsboro, Oregon. Now, Sunrise is a church devoted to being a safe place to hear a life-changing message. And our vision is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And so every weekend, we share a message of hope from God's Word, the Bible. Now, if you'd like to know more about discovering and growing in a relationship with the God who loves you, please take a moment to visit our website at www.isunrise.com. Now, from there, you can learn how to connect with the God who loves you. And you can learn how to grow with others along the journey of life. You can learn to develop a heart to serve the least, the last, and the lost. And finally, you can learn how to lead others to know Jesus Christ on this journey of disciples making disciples. And so now I invite you to follow along with our weekend message as you discover the heartbeat of God. Uh, my name's Kevin. I'm the executive pastor at Sunrise Church. So my role, and it's a privilege and honor, and I get to pour into your staff and your pastors and support them, encourage them, and pray for them, and do my best to equip them and come alongside them. And, and you know, we got a good staff. Do you guys agree with that? I mean, we got some amazing... <laughs> I'm so proud of him. So we're digging into the Mercy Series. I hope for you that you're allowing the Holy Spirit to just open up your heart because we're merciful because God has been merciful to us. And I know for me, we've been in this as a staff for a month or so. And so, you know, it's changing me. And so I hope it's changing you. This story today we're going to look at is really personal to me, as you see. I hope it becomes personal to you. But we're going to look at how mercy forgives the fallen today. You know, we're going to start working through this. This is our heart and DNA. You know, the next following weeks is mercy helps the hurting. Mercy is patient with difficult people. Mercy is kind to enemies and mercy cares for the lost. And we discovered last week with James, you know, setting that overview of the five marks of mercy, that mercy is really, uh, how do we get it from our head to our heart, to our hands, right? That it doesn't get stuck and mercy is really love and action. So what we're going to talk about today is really about forgiveness in in action. How do we move forward and forgive some people that, you know, I've had to, and that you're going to, you know, we'll let God reveal what he wants to do with you. But I'm going to tell you a story and then we'll break it down. But it's about how God forgives this story. And it's about his design for forgiveness because he created it on the cross, didn't he? That Jesus Christ died for us on the cross so we could be forgiven of our sins and our debt could be wiped clean. And it's about a story about how beautiful and freeing forgiveness is. <clears throat> And, but it's also a story about how we can be fully forgiven, but not extend that forgiveness to others. And maybe some of you are in that area right now. It's about how our unforgiveness keeps that other person in prison. It's about how our unforgiveness keeps us in prison. And really, I'm discovering, and you can ask my family, how my unforgiveness has kept my family in prison, right? It, the, those closest to us, it impacts everybody. So at the end of the message, we're going to do a response time where you hold the key. And you can let that person out of prison today. And you can let yourself out of prison today. And you can let those that are closest to you out of prison today. And so the story is Peter, uh, one of the disciples, an early leader in the church, he goes to Jesus. This is this whole story's in red. This whole story is Jesus speaking, right? He God picked this story out of all the stories for a good reason. And, but uh, Peter comes to Jesus and says, how many times should I forgive someone that's hurt me? Seven. He's pretty proud because we're counters, right? We like to count. And Jesus says... Uh, uh, no, 70 times 7. And, and then he goes, let me tell you a story. There was a king 
who was owed some money. And so he brought in people that owed him money. And there was a servant that owed him uh, in our economy, $12 million, an exorbitant amount. And he said that, you know, he brought him in and he says, I can't pay you. So the king goes, then I'm going to sell you and I'm going to sell your wife and I'm going to sell your kids until you can pay me back and you're going to be put in prison. And it says that the man got down on his knees and he begged for mercy and he pleaded with him and he said, please be patient with me. And it says that the king forgave him, forgave the dead and completely wiped it clean. Can you imagine that? Many of us have received that. But then he goes out, this guy that was completely forgiven of this immeasurable debt that he could never pay back that would have impacted his family. He goes out and he finds another servant who owes him a couple thousand dollars. And the story says he starts choking him. He wants instant payment. He says, pay me back right now. I need that $2,000. So right off the bat, he doesn't even get forgiveness, does he? He's been given so much, but we can be like him. I can be like him, right? And so this gentleman gets down on his knees and does the same exact thing as the other guy did. Please be patient with me. I'm pleading. Give me a chance to pay you back. And and this man that was forgiven so much that had his hands around his neck says no. And he had him thrown in prison. He had just been set free and he had this man uh, thrown in prison. And then the story goes that the other servants heard about this and they were angry and they brought the first man before the king and, and the king says to him, you evil servant, you evil, wicked servant. I forgave you that same mercy that I gave to you, you were to give to them. And so he not only threw him back in prison or he threw him in prison where, you know, but he also tortured him. So for the rest of the time, he was tortured. And the end of this verse is pretty amazing. It says that's what happens to us if we don't forgive others the way that our father has forgiven us. And so we're going to break down that story. And, um, you know, there's different kinds of forgiveness, right? I think there's kind of that instant forgiveness and there's that journey of forgiveness. I, I know um, we were doing a small group party and it was Christmas and I was overseeing it. We had a lot of people in room 120 and I had a big team that was helping me do it. And there's a gentleman on our staff. Many of you probably know him. He's our connection guy, Keith Doherty, wonderful man. And he was doing a role and he was kind of struggling a little bit and couldn't quite do it. It happens all the time, right? But when I approached him, I was really rude to him and I was harsh to him and I was short to him and I was condescending to him. And then I kind of went back and did something else and he was still struggling. I came back at him. And and that night, as I sat in bed, I started talking to God and and I started rationalizing. I said, man, uh, no one probably noticed, (laughs) right? (laughs) It wasn't that bad. I came out, you know, maybe Keith didn't even notice. Well, about three months later, I'm sitting uh, with Lene, who's our small group gal, and she says, I need to talk to you about something. I don't know what was going on with you that night. I haven't seen you like that before, but you were really rude to Keith, Uh, you know, and And you heard him. And I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I broke. So I run to Keith and, man, I'm confessing and owning it and asking his forgiveness. And he says this. He goes, I've already forgiven you. He goes, I forgave you right after it happened. And so I look back and he did. It was three months till I went to him. He goes, I don't care if he came to me or not. I forgave you. But I could tell that he did forgive me by our relationship and he stayed close to me and he pursued me. Right. And so there can be that instant forgiveness that we can give to others. 
And then there's this journey of forgiveness that some of us are on, and I've been on it 20 years ago. My mom and my stepdad got together with my wife and I, and she accused me of doing something that wasn't true. And man, I, something clicked in me. My heart got hard. The minute she said it to me, I made a decision and spoke it to her that you are dead to me, that you'll never be my mom again. I'll never let you in my life. I'll never share anything. But then, you know, I, I'm a pastor, so I throw in a couple things. You know, I say, but you can have a relationship with my wife, but you can be a great grandparent to my kids. But I shut her down. Man, I had my hands on her throat. I threw her in prison, right? I threw her in that prison that we throw people in. But when we do that, we throw who else in prison? Ourselves. And we throw our family in prison. So I'm wrestling through all this for many years. And, I've, and I'm not forgiving her. And I'm not looking at it. And, but you know what? Uh, I'm in prison. And you know what? My wife's in prison too. Because if I don't trust here and with my mom and I feel like she's betrayed me, my wife's getting it. Can you guys kind of relate to that, right? And I just chose not to give up, not to give up my bitterness, my hurt, and my resentment, and I held on to it, and it impacted everything. Well, more recently, probably about four or five months ago, God's working on me, and I'm starting to begin that journey of just forgiveness, you know, and... Uh, Right now in my house, I have a picture of my mom where I sit and, and I look at her and I'm starting to see her different, right? I'm starting to see this incredible mom, not this woman that betrayed me. You know, on her deathbed, she, when I was with her and she said, I want to ask your forgiveness that what I accused you of had nothing to do with you. It was my stuff. I, it was all about me. And, you know, and even then I didn't quite fully forgive her, right? Until last night. So I think James had me do this sermon on purpose. Where are you, James? You are a wise man. (laughs) Right? So I think I still had maybe her shirt like this. I didn't have her throat. I didn't have, but I just was still like, you know, I'm not going to forgive you. So I'm preaching the sermon and where's my wife? Honey, you'll be so thrilled. Last night on the way home. Going up TV highway, I'm just screaming out to God and to my mom, you know, God, I forgive her. I forgive my mom. I'm free. I want to let her out of prison. I certainly want to let myself out of prison. I certainly want to let my wife out of prison. And so it's, you know, I can't even remember that incident. I tried because I'm human. I tried to remember what did she do to me? I couldn't even remember it. And, And you know what I see? I was thinking about my mom today. And I see her as this incredible woman. We were very poor and she fought and she never gave up and she was a survivor and she loved me unconditionally and she did the best she could and she was always at my side and she always prayed for me. That's what I see now because I let her out of prison, right? (laughs) Honey, aren't you thrilled? (laughs) This is awesome because you know what? We do hold the key. Right. And, and they're in prison, but we're in prison. You know what? More than that, the people that are around us are in prison, too. And so last week we looked at the two sides of mercy and there's this side, there's this forgiving side where we hold back punishment, right? But there's also this compassionate side where we need to move towards someone, where we need to put it in action. And that's what we're talking about today is how do you put your forgiveness into action? 
And God makes it clear in his word that we must forgive others just as he forgives us. There's not too much debate in this in God's mind. And so why is it so important to God that we forgive the people who hurt us? It's a great question. And it's a question that Peter asked. He asked that same question as we'll see right here in Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to him and he asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? We're counters, aren't we? Peter's talking about the necessity for repeated forgiveness. Have you noticed that it's easier to forgive someone for a one-time offense than someone close to you and personal and intimate, maybe a family member where it keeps happening over and over and over? We know that those closest to us have the potential to hurt us most, don't they? They just do. Whether it's family, whether it's our close friends, whether it's on staff here. For most of us, our deepest hurt, our deepest resentment is usually towards a family member, isn't it? A father, a mother, a brother, a sister, a son, a daughter, a relative. Sometimes our greatest hurt and betrayal is in church, and it's this we're, we're a family, and it's this intimate piece of our spirituality, but we're human, and we get hurt in church. That's a tough hurt, isn't it? I've been with some of you that have had a hurt here or in the past, and it's hard, isn't it? It's really painful. You feel that betrayal. It could be another member, it could be a leader, it could be a pastor that's hurt you, it could have been me. Sometimes our greatest pain is caused by the people that we're in contact with all the time, this daily contact. Every one of us, every one of us has this source of irritation in our lives. Somebody who repeatedly hurts us, mistreats us, maybe uses us, betrays us. I don't know what it is. It's the people who know you best who are able to hurt you most deeply, isn't it? And here's an interesting thing. We get hurt in relationship, and the only answer for healing is relationship. I'm like, oh, wow, God. It's not us lone wolves to get away and isolate, right? It's to stay in relationship. We all have people that have hurt us and rub us the wrong way, and God says the same thing to every single one of us. No matter what's happened to us, he says, forgive them. He goes, forgive them. That's your part. We all end up asking the same question that Peter asked. Lord, how many times do I have to forgive them? Peter thought he was being generous in the Jewish law. It said, forgive someone three times. So I guess, you know, Peter's like me. I like to exaggerate. So he doubled it and added one. He's like seven times, you know. Is that what I need to do? He must have been shocked by Jesus' answer. Right? We're all shocked by Jesus' answer in our humanness. He says, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. 490 times, really what Jesus is saying, it's an unlimited time because I've forgiven you unlimited times and I'll continue to keep forgiving you unlimited times. Jesus said to Peter, if you're keeping score, you're missing the point. He said, if you're counting how many times you have to forgive that person, then it doesn't count. Let me repeat that. If you're counting, it doesn't count. And so then Jesus goes on to tell the story about this man that owed the king 12, you know, million dollars. And he was going to have his family and his wife and thrown into prison and sold and everyone, you know, um, so that he could get his money back. And so that's where we kind of, you know, this guy uh, owed a debt that he couldn't pay. Just like you and me. We have a debt with Christ that we can never pay. 
He can wipe it clean. But the Bible says this, but the man fell down before his master and he begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. I love that. How do you pay back $12 million? I'm not that good at math, but it's about making $1,000 a day for 30 years. It's kind of laughable, isn't it? That this debt, there's no way that he could pay it back. But he's like, be patient with me that I'll pay you back. And our humanists, we think we can do that, don't we? It's absolutely impossible. So in the story that we're getting into, Jesus gives us three reasons why we must learn to forgive others. And the first reason is because God has forgiven us, right? You guys, God has forgiven us. The next verse says, Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him, and he forgave his debt. Could you imagine if tomorrow all your debts would wipe clean? Every single one of them? Everything, every debt, financial, every debt that you owed? Could you imagine how that would feel, how grateful that you would be, how appreciative you'd be, how thankful that you'd be, how free that you would be? We'd be, we'd be kind of the most gracious people on the planet, wouldn't we? Wouldn't we if we got forgiven that debt? You know, but sometimes we're not. And we see in this man that how he acts and reacts is not like a man that's been forgiven. He doesn't act like a man that's been, a debt's been canceled. And he's been forgiven by Jesus Christ. And so it says, but when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars and he grabbed him by the throat and he demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and he begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor went and wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. I mean, what? he's choking out this guy. He just got forgiven. We do this in our humanness when we don't quite get what forgiveness is. He knows how to receive forgiveness. We like to receive it, don't we? Amen. I like to receive. I like to get my debt canceled, but he refuses. I think he's refusing. I think we refuse. I, in a sense, well, I'd have to be honest. I chose, I refused not to forgive my mom. I wanted her imprisoned. I wanted her to pay. I wanted her to feel the pain that I had felt. He knows how to receive it, but he refuses it to give it to the other person. The Bible tells us pretty clear, like you and I are just like this man in many ways because of our sin. We owe a debt to God, right? The Bible says all of us have sinned. Every single one of us and fall short of the glory of God, right? Our debt is so big that I, you know, we could never repay it on our own. But instead, God has chosen mercy to forgive us, to wipe our slate clean, to cancel all our spiritual debts. God comes to you and me, and and he pays the bill. He personally pays the bill. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to personally pay the bill on the cross and shed his blood so that we could have forgiveness when we go before him and then extend that forgiveness. This is good news, isn't it? It's great news. It's excellent news, right? God has forgiven me and you an impossible debt. He's forgiven my sins, and he's forgiven your sins. But with that, he expects us to forgive other people's sins. He expects us that same 
grace and mercy that we receive from him on the cross, that we receive every single day, that we receive that when we go to him, he expects us to hand it out to others. The Bible says in Ephesians 4.32, Instead, be kind to each other and tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. So the first reason that we forgive others is because God has showed this incredible forgiveness and grace and canceled our debt, and, and it should flow out of us. When we understand forgiveness, man, we want to give forgiveness quick. We want to be like Keith Doherty, that instant forgiveness, even if the person doesn't come to us. When we've experienced grace... Man, we can give it to others. We can be so gracious, can't we? We can forgive. We can, you know, I'm glad God didn't count. Right? I'm glad you're not God. I'm glad I'm not God, right? We're counters. He's not a counters. When we catch this glimpse of this overwhelming mercy that just flows over us, we've got to show it to other people. But then, my, then I start thinking in my life and maybe yours, why isn't it true in our lives? Why isn't this reflected and lived out all the time? Why do we hold grudges? Why are, do we let bitterness poison us? Why do we refuse to forgive somebody? As a pastor, I've heard these words many, many times, some form of this, but this is pretty close to what I hear. But you don't know, pastor, what that person did to me. They come to me, you know, and they're hurt. But you don't know what that person did to me. You don't know what that person did to my family. You don't know what that person did to my wife. And you don't know what that person did to my children. I can never forgive them for the pain that they've caused me. Our response is kind of always the same. We're not to treat others the way they've treated us. We're to treat others the way God's treated us. We're not to treat others the way they've treated us. We're to extend that grace and treat others the way that God has forgiven us. Uh, Our Heavenly Father has a forgiveness standard that stands alone that's not ours. We're to forgive others because God has forgiven us. I don't think we have much of an option in this matter, right? Because the other side is is the bitterness and and the poison and the resentment. And um, this is, I'm talking about me here too. Uh, I've known people, I've been negative. I know people are critical, people are judgmental, who are harsh, and they all have one thing in common, just like I did. They're not experiencing for themselves the true forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ's sacrifice and God. They're just not experiencing it. I want you to experience it today. I'm so glad I did the final thing last night with me and God and my mom and we're all set free. You know, I'm so, I want you to experience it. We're going to have a response time towards the end where you'll have that opportunity. Here's the second reason we have to learn to forgive other people. Because resentment makes us miserable. Let me put a hyphen there. It makes everybody around you miserable too, right? We're in relationship. We impact others. Resentment is actually hell on earth. It tortures you. Resentment is a self-inflicted wound. The Bible tells us in the story of the unforgiving servant, it says, when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and they told him everything that had happened. And the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? 
Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until his debt, until he had paid his entire debt. The master's kind of saying, if that's the way you're going to treat people, then that's the way I'm going to treat you. That's what he's saying to this servant. Because of his lack of forgiveness, this servant that was free. Man, you know what? Isn't it kind of interesting? He was free. He was done. He was, you know, he had his life, but he just could not help choking out this other person that owed him a pittance. Hardly anything. So don't miss this. This servant was not tortured because of his debt. He was not tortured because of his debt. He was tortured because of his lack of forgiveness that he was given by the king. When we have resentment, when we have bitterness, when we have a lack of forgiveness, it produces this inner conflict that hurts you more than it hurts other people. I know there's times that I've went to other people and I've held on to something, and this is pretty common. And, and I, I, I go to them. Um, I actually went to my stepdad during this uh, time, and, and I confessed to him and asked his forgiveness. And he said, I don't even know what you're talking about. I didn't even understand that you were mad at me. Right? It hurts us more than them. Some of the people that we're holding on to that we have in prison and we're not going to let them out, they don't even recognize it or remember it. We torture ourselves, we put ourselves in the torture chamber because we refuse to forgive. We hold on to the hurt. You can't control the hurt that happens in your life, but you can control how long you hurt. Because you can forgive them today. You can drive down TV highway on the way home if you live in that area or any highway and you can cry out to God. James and I joke, the only time we like TV Highway is when you can actually see Mount Hood otherwise. (laughs) You can control it. You have control over your forgiveness. You don't have control over how they're going to respond. The the Bible says this, one man dies uh, in full vigor, completely secure and at ease, his body well nourished, his bones rich with marrow. Another man dies in bitterness of soul, never having enjoyed anything good. A bitter soul and a bitter heart will rob you of joy and contentment and peace and happiness. Are there hurts that you're still holding on to? Maybe you don't talk about it, but when you think about it, there's something that happens in your spirit. There's a sharp pain in your heart. It isn't worth it. We have to let it go. We have to learn how to forgive. And this torture chamber of unforgiveness is self-imposed, you guys. It was about me. It was self-imposed. You know, I put my mom in there, but I was in there with her and I put my family in there. When we fail to forgive, God doesn't lock us up in the jail. We do it ourselves. We lock ourselves in a jail of anger and anxiety. We rehearse the hurt over and over, and the hurt gets bigger and bigger, and it continues to hurt. And when we see that person, we don't see him through the filter of forgiveness in Jesus Christ. We see the hurt, and we see the abandonment, and we see the betrayal, or we see the lies, or we see what... That's not even who they are. It's not who I am. Some of us have been holding on to hurts for decades. You can let it go today. 
So the third reason that we need to learn to forgive other people is because you will need forgiveness in the future, right? Amen. What's our next verse there? That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. The Bible uh, teaches us that we can only receive what we offer to others. We cannot receive what we don't offer to others. I love this verse. And it's a Sermon on the Mount. It's a beatitude. It says, you're blessed. God blesses those who are merciful for they will be shown mercy. God blesses those that are merciful for they will be shown mercy. So I want to talk a little bit about forgiveness is not... Uh, restoration of relationship or trust completely different things forgiveness and trust are two different issues forgiveness is letting go of that hurt that pain so you don't go bitter trust is rebuilt over time they're not connected forgiveness is by mercy by grace but trust is by work trust is rebuilt when the person that's hurt you has come to you and confessed and repented and there's a heart change and there's a life change and they're moving towards Jesus Christ. That's where trust and relationship starts to be getting to, to be reconciled. The only thing in our control is our forgiveness, right? That's the only thing in our control in this whole deal is our forgiveness and forgiveness doesn't take care of the future. Forgiveness takes care of the past. Last night, I fully, fully, man, I'm so excited. Um, Chris, you're going to have a new husband. Um, I took care of the past. Now I get to rebuild a future with my wife that's about intimacy and trust and none of that stuff. I'm so tired for me and some of us that are fighting these shadows that don't even exist anymore, guys. But we're still fighting something that happened. Forgiveness takes care of the past. It doesn't take care uh, of the future. Paul tells us about forgiveness. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. So let me ask you a few personal questions. Who do you need to forgive? I would say you probably already know. Just listen to the Holy Spirit, right? Who do you think can do a better job of straightening out the other person? You or God? Who are you most likely to blame for your unhappiness? Who are you most likely to blame for your problems? Who are you most likely to blame for the pain in your life? That's a person that you got to forgive. Are you keeping score of somebody else's sin? Have they reached seven yet? What if God kept score against you? Why are you keeping that other person in prison? Why are you keeping yourself in prison? Why are you keeping... Your family and your loved ones in prison. Here's one that I'm looking at. Why, why are you continuing to keep yourself attached to that person? The forgiveness snips it. And this is a question I was asked. I met with someone on our staff and she prayed for me and she said, I'm going to ask you one question and I'll ask you the same question. And this can be mainly for men, but it can be for anybody. Why are you still punishing yourself? Because we're forgiven. We need to receive that same forgiveness. This is what the Bible says. Love keeps no record of being wronged. 
Love keeps no record of being wrong. When uh, we go to God for forgiveness, I mean, there's all kinds of verses that it's forgotten. It's far as east to the west. It's gone, right? We're forgiven. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And it's not about being fair. This stuff isn't fair. But the Bible says that every knee will bow, right? And we'll all stand before God and he'll do his part and he'll judge us and he'll take care of it. We don't have to take care of it. We just have to forgive the other person. So how can we release our hurt? How do we release it? Let's take a look at this. And the first one is we got to leave it to God. We have to give up our right to get even. We have to give up our right to punish him. We have to give up our right that they feel some type of pain. It'd be like... um, If you and I, Paul, if you and I were in a conflict and I poke your eye out and you poke mine out, we're both kind of half blind, aren't we? We got to give up that right to hurt them, to make them feel the same pain. God will administer justice. We have to leave him to God. In fact, our prayer should be, let's take him to God and take him to the cross and let him handle it. Number two, after we leave it to God, we need to heal it with grace. That's the only way to heal it, right, is with God's grace. And this verse says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. A bitter spirit will poison you, right? Bitterness can poison an entire household. It can poison a small group. It can poison a church. The only antidote to that is the mercy and forgiveness and grace of God. And you don't deserve his forgiveness. None of us do by his mercy and grace. He forgave us anyways. The people that you that hurt you, they don't deserve your forgiveness. But by God's grace and mercy, you can extend it to them. So we need to heal it with grace. And it's not human grace. It's the cross. It's that Jesus Christ died for us. And the third one is uh, leave it to God, heal it with grace, and we need to nail it to the cross. Jesus died and gave his body and gave his blood for our salvation, right? So we could know what forgiveness is. He died that so you and I can be set free from bitterness, from resentment, from fear, from anger, anxiety, grudges, guilt, grief, the whole thing, whatever it is that's going on in your heart right now. He died so you could be set free from the regrets and the painful memories that have come when you hold on to that hurt. So this is, I'll just be blunt here. There's no psychology. There's no therapy. There's no pill. There's no self-help seminar that's going to help you through this. The only thing that helps you through it is when you go to the cross where Jesus Christ was nailed and you humble yourself and you look to him. For forgiveness. That's the only way that we can forgive. The Bible says this. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Hi, my name is Margo. I grew up with much of the same bondage and sin that's common in the world today. An alcoholic father, a controlling and enabling mother, um, I was considered trailer trash by others, and generally I just didn't fit into life. My father worked in construction building earth-filled dams, so we moved around a lot. 
Probably the trauma that most marked my life was that of being molested as a five-year-old. My parents um, left me with an aunt and uncle while my mother went to the hospital to give birth to my, to my sister. And probably looking back on my life has given me the best look at what, how this actually impacted my life and how Jesus has carried me has healed me, has walked with me, and he's loved me through it all. He has turned my shame into value. He's turned my ashes into something beautiful. And now he's choosing to use my life story to help somebody out there who's hurting, who feels they have no value, and they have no hope of things ever changing or of ever having a semblance of a normal life. God has given me mercy, big time, to show the same mercy to others. School was a place where I could hide, excel academically, and pretend that my family was normal. I joined the Air Force so that I could get the GI Bill and get my college degree. And while I was in the Air Force, I married. But my husband had left me by the time I completed my college. So now, I had divorce to add to my shame. Although I just recently learned the term to call that demeaning, self-loathing emotion shame. I always knew that I loved Jesus but I never really knew how good God is. I was just so happy that he loved me, not for what he could get from me and not for what I could give him, but simply because I was his child. He intended to make changes in me and give me a better life. I'm now at Light My Way, loving on other women, who don't have any hope like I used to have, no hope. Where I once hid in corners when men would walk in the room, I now have brothers who look out for me and care what happens to me. I know what it feels like to feel dirty. I, feel, I know what it feels like to have no value and to have no hope that anything will ever be normal. What I didn't realize was God planned to do a huge healing in me to be able to see sex offenders as victims just like me who needed Jesus' love just as much as any of us do. There's one thing I've learned in 64 years is that we're all broken people, every one of us. We're just broken in different places and in different ways. My valley has been 64 years long, and there have been times when I wasn't sure I could make it. But God is so merciful, and He's so faithful. If I could share anything with you, I would say to let Jesus into your life. And the mercy that He gives to you can fix all the broken things in your life, can heal the wounds and the open sores that you have to deal with, and He can enable you to give that same mercy
to your perpetrators. He will break the chains and the bondage the devil has given you and he will replace those with love for you and who you are and love for who he created you to be. Love conquers all. Thank you. That should have just been the sermon. So, you hold the key. You hold the key. You, you can let them out of prison. You can let yourself out of prison. You can let those that are around you out of prison. And, and we want to do that today. And so here's what I'm asking you. If, uh, if you've got your hands on someone's neck or you got them in prison or you are, uh, I want to pray for you. And here's what I'm asking you. You know, this is uh, forgiveness in action. This is mercy in action. So if, if you want that prayer, if you need that prayer like I did last night, the prayer was for me. Um, will you stand up? Will you just stand up where you are and I'm going to pray for you. If you're ready to let them out of prison and let yourself out of prison, just stand up. Let's pray. Dear God, I know that I have a debt to you that is enormous and there's no way that I could ever pay it off. My debt is so much greater, God, than any debt that anybody owes me and yet you have forgiven me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace and thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, I know I'm going to need your forgiveness for the future and I do not want resentment to ruin my life and make me miserable. I want to be free of this hurt and I don't want to hold on to it one minute, one day, one moment longer. Father, right now I release into your hands those people that have hurt me For those people who have hurt me, God, I want to open the door of the prison that I've held them in and I want to set them free. I ask in Jesus' name that you help me walk in freedom and to never go back to that prison again. Set me free from the torment of bitterness, resentment, and grudges. Please replace my hurt with your healing, my guilt with your grace, my mistakes with your mercy, my losses with your love. Show me how to do that to others. I want to be free so I can lead others to freedom. And I humbly ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.